Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Straightforward Farming Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Reed, alongside Mr. Nick McCormick, alongside Mrs. Nick McCormick, and Mrs. Growing Corn. Hello. <laughs> I have to get recognized this time. You skipped me the last time. I did. Time, so. I, I know I did. I'm sorry. So, tonight we're going to unpack the life and times of Kelly Rankin McCormick. This will be a three-minute podcast. Well, well oh, it's, it's going to take forever. What, nine o'clock? So, yeah, we are knocking on your bedtime. Yeah. So We're a little past. But, you uh, guys. We're going to push through. Yeah, Louisville Farm Show. Everybody asked Nick... Where's Tony? Everybody asked me, what are you doing up still? It's 8.30. In her defense, she did stay up late Thursday night. I was night. up till 2. Yeah. I stayed up till 2. Did you really? I did. Yes, yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. How long did that take to recover from? Oh, the she, next she day I did take a nap day. as soon yeah. as I got she home. Like, got home at 1.30, just woke up. <laughs> and I'm not a napper, but yeah, yeah I did take a nap when yeah, I got home. I'm sure will bring that out of you. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. So let's, where do you want to start? Do you want to like start Claire back at the beginning? How far back do we want to go in this deal? So I don't you, know. you did come from, from a farm. Right? I did. About kindergarten. <laughs> yeah. I did. I was, I was raised um, uh, in Mason County, Manitou, Illinois. Uh, corn and soybean farm when I was growing up. By the time I was eighth grade, high school, we were about 90% irrigated. And um, so that brought in the specialty crops. So by the time I graduated from high school, it was green beans, lima beans, peas, sweet corn. So on your own corn. family farm. Yes. That's really yes. okay. I yes. didn't realize that. Yeah. So I grew up with irrigation and and doing that. And that was a neat experience. It was it was great. Yeah. Loved Ooh. it. One of five girls and so um I feel dad, so sorry for your dad. <laughs> my dad always said that he never wanted a boy. Um all of our neighbors had boys and he was like, "Oh good lord, thank you for my girls." And so um but Good's he lying. we did we worked just like the boys. I mean, I cultivated, field cultivated, chiseled, all of that. We had two towable irrigations, and every morning at 6 a.m. had to go out and move them to the... And where did you fall in lines out of the five? I was five? the second. The you second, the second out second. of five. Mm-hmm. And your names all started with K, right? Yeah, Karen, mm-hmm. Kelly, Kimberly, Corey, and Kendall. Right on down the line. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> What's he snickered about? I'm not saying a word. I'm just, I'm just here. Is, is this work? Because I know Nick's kind of like wanting to put you on the spot. Should we put him on the spot? Sure. Too? Like, like should ahead. we like, you know, so which one's your favorite sister? I mean, do we, do we go this far? <laughs> no. Well, Karen is the original Karen, but I love her. <laughs> she, she is the reason Karens are called Karen. <laughs> gotcha. Like, if your you, meal's Karen. messed up, she's the one that's getting it comped by whoever. Got it. But uh, and I love what, them all. And how many them of them all. live in Minnesota? Three of them. Three of them. Three of them live in northern Minnesota. Wow. And mm-hmm. So how did they, like, three of them end up there? That's kind of weird. Got lost. Couldn't read a map. Ended up in Minnesota. <laughs> and you know our beef with Minnesota. They didn't vote they for didn't Reagan. They didn't vote so for Reagan. So, so yeah. So my, my dad had always loved the cattle more than the, the commercial uh, grain farm and vegetable farm. And so when our... Our land, which was just sand, like honestly, sand burr, sand. Um, but the the irrigation, the specialty crops made the land prices go up quite a bit. And so in the 90s, he sold the farm and bought a cattle ranch in upper Minnesota. Oh, so, so, you, so your dad lives in Minnesota? Yes, yes. Oh, I thought he still lived here in Illinois. Nope, nope. Oh, so, see, I'm learning all kinds of stuff here. Yeah. So my three younger sisters met their husbands up there, and they all live in the same town. But, now, and maybe you mentioned this, I was busy talking. When, so, 
How old were you when he moved to Minnesota? I was in college. And so were the younger ones, did they go to school in Minnesota or was they, was everybody out of school by the no, time he... No, my younger sisters, Kim, the third one was in high school. So she stayed down here and finished high school. She lived with my older sister, Karen, and my brother-in-law, Chris, who bought part of the, our family farm. Okay, gotcha. And so um, Chris's family farmed just a mile or two south of us. And so we just always joked around that Karen wasn't necessarily the love of his life, but more of a, an, you know, investment. convenient investment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. He was true. like, here's a man with life, five but... girls and I'm Heck one of yeah. four kids. Where am I going to go for this? Who in their <laughs> right mind would want to move out of Illinois? I mean, because I think our winters are hard and they're yeah. not. But why would you want to go north? I mean, my heavens. Well, they do have nice summers. But ain't there like mosquitoes? And, there I mean, is. It's not big enough to pick you up. Yeah. yeah. They're like I small just... birds, eagles. Nick whatnot. has a hatred for Minnesota. I, I love Minnesota. And I have to More say the little town, the little town they live in, it's a lovely little Scandinavian nice. town. It's like the 1950s there. I mean, great group of people. You what know, part? North, south? They are just west of Bemidji. And so, north north yeah. and west. Okay. Yeah, northwest. 80 miles south of Canada. A couple hours from Fargo. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they're way up. They're, yeah. They're, 80 yeah. miles south of Canada. I'll be dead. And I'm not saying that as a joke. That's actual geography. <laughs> it's, it's way Kelly up clearly there. doesn't know. She has looked at the map. But as we someone always... who doesn't like to travel there, I've looked at the map. But it's miles funny south. because every time you guys have a family get together in Minnesota, Nick will call me and he'll be like, I mean, I just cannot wait to drive to Minnesota. I, know, right? I love it up there. It's favorite thing to do. He loves the drive, especially when you get in them winter storms and get stuck. Mm-hmm. It snows every time. There's no interstate from here to there, so, so it's all when two get, lane, four lane. You better eat. Sorry, I'll continue on. <laughs> no, I won't get on my tirades. <laughs> we joke around that when you get to the Twin Cities, you're halfway there. You know, I mean, it's just, and then, so we go up to Duluth, and then it's, what, four or five hour drive west from Duluth? So from here, you drive to Lake Superior and take a left. That's no shit. Yeah. You drive to Lake Superior. That is true. When you can't go any further, you take a left. And then drive for forever. And then you drive to your almost out of Minnesota. All to almost Then to the turn Dakotas. back north and you're almost there. Yeah. The first time we drove up there was for my nephew's baptism and we got probably three hours out of Duluth and Nick goes, I'm going to pull over. I want you to walk out into that forest and I want you to bring a branch back and I want you to beat me to death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They have a lot of trees. <laughs> well, was it, wasn't it just like a year or two ago, you guys were coming home and like you had to stop like at the Wisconsin, you got a bad snowstorm. right? We stopped in Rockford. Right? We stopped because, yes. yes. yeah, we got, we got to Illinois and it was a snowstorm, so we had to stop and spend the night. Yeah. Yeah. There was 23 cars off in the median from Rockford to Bloomington the next day at 11 o'clock when we came through. Wow. So who knows how many they dug out before that, but it was not good. So your youngest sister has always been in Minnesota? No, okay, so Kim, Kim's the third one. Okay. She was in high school, so she lived with Karen and Chris until she finished high school. And then Corey and Kendall lived with my mom, because my mom and dad were divorced. Okay, gotcha. So my mom was still in Illinois, so they lived with my mom and finished school with her. Okay. But then just going up there and visiting, you know, et cetera, they ended up meeting So are they all pretty, up there. pretty close in the same area? Oh, yeah, there? yeah. Same town. Oh, same, same town. town, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know, so which one is Ben married to? Corey. Corey. And they're in Minnesota. Yes. Because the only time Ben come here, I think we all got he's our ass lot, chewed by him. not to go out anymore yeah. down here. And we didn't really do that bad. Uh, she, well, she chewed. She didn't chew our ass. She chewed his ass and was like, well, don't. Ben can't hang because the next day they went to the pumpkin patch and got sick in front of the kids. <laughs> in uh, the parking lot. He's not, he's not a trooper. 
<laughs> Might be a Marine, but he ain't much of a drinker. Okay. And we love you too. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember about Ben was he come down here, we all got drunk and he got his ass. Yeah. What irritates the whole sister group about Ben and I is, is you can drop us off in the middle of nowhere, AKA where they live and we'll, or where I live. Cause we're not, you know, too bustling cosmopolitan here either. And we, we can make friends anywhere. We're at the bar. We're having a good time. And now everybody's on board with that system. Gotcha. But we can push through. Okay. So Kim, the third one, is married to Scott, and then and Kendall is married to Sam, and they're both cattle farmers. Mm-hmm. And so, um, okay. different different way of life. Although Scott is more and more uh, corn and soybeans gotcha. with the new varieties and and everything. But yeah, yep. a lot of things have changed. And I don't want to speak out of turn here, but from the time I <laughs> I got into Kelly's family till now, you know, I first met Scott. They didn't grow corn because that was a spring harvest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they tried corn, it didn't work. It was a spring harvest, poor crop, no place to get rid of it. To now, corn and soybeans are his main deal, and the cattle's more on the side. Yep. So their corn, the the hybrids have gotten so much better for their area. Sure, they plant like I don't know, like point four soybeans or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're below one. I knew they got into group zeros up there in places. <laughs> yeah, it's less than uh, it's less than one, and then. Their corn is like, I don't know, he told me it's like 75 day or something like that corn. Yep. But they get harvested in the fall now, and, and they've got a good deal for it, and they grow pretty good corn. So. Really? Well, all I can say is they didn't vote for Ronald Reagan, so the shitty falls yeah. that they had, they deserve them. That's their, <laughs> that's their punishment. Uh, <laughs> we'll never let them live. We can't fight you on that. We can't. We can't fight you on that. So we're going to fast forward then. So yeah. both of you went to the University of Illinois. Correct. But mm-hmm. did you meet at the uh, meet no. at college? You didn't. No. Okay. No. Gotcha. We actually met. So I graduated and went on to work for Deer. And I had an intern one year. And she was married to one of Nick's friends. And we were at the U of I for homecoming. Yep. And we were at the same party and met each other there. Is this one of them deals where, like, you turned him down the first ten times, and then finally you was just in one of them moods one day, and it stuck? You're like, well, I'll try it, and here we are? Or was it love at first sight? Well, so we're at this party. We're at our friend's house before we go to the party. Mm-hmm. Mutual friend's house. And like I said, her husband was my college roommate. So we're at this party, and we're having a good time or whatever. Well, Kelly goes to change clothes for the party, comes back out, and I'm like, no, change back. The other outfit looked better. So I made her go back and change clothes because the other outfit was better. Yeah, just being honest. It obviously was. And then uh, we talked a lot at the party, so on and so forth. And then you took it from there. Were, were you, like, immediately pissed when he said that? Were you, like, no, no, no. It didn't, like, strike no, a nerve? Like, no. who's this Mm-mm. guy? No, not at all. Mm-mm. No, that doesn't bother me. Mm-mm. Not at all. <laughs> no, but, so we dated. Do I tell them the story or you no? You tell whatever yeah, story you want to <laughs> We've had enough beer. Let's hear it you all. You tell whatever Hell, story we'll you want to tell. we'll tell our stories. Yeah, go ahead. So, so we dated for probably eight weeks or so. Something like that. Something like that. And, um, but I was, I was not in the mood for anything serious that I told him over and over that I just really wasn't in the mood. Him for and I used to get that serious. a lot from women. <laughs> yeah. younger days. And we knew where it was heading. Yeah. The friend, the mutual friend, I think she even told him, she's like, don't get serious with Kelly. She keeps her running shoes pretty close by. Mm-hmm. And so um, one night we were in Bloomington and he said, he's like, um, I think I'm falling in love with you. And I said, I think you need to put your shoes on and go home. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I uh, put my shoes on, went to my buddy's house and we went out that night because he didn't live very far from there. I'm like, I called him. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. Get ready to go to the bar. I'm like, hold on a second. I'll be to your house in about 15 minutes. Uh-huh. And uh, we didn't talk for a while. 
I knew. I just really wasn't. I just, I honestly was not in that frame of mind. I just didn't really want anything serious. But I knew he was a good guy. I knew she that was, he was a really was great guy. Kelly at that time. She'd saw your Milwaukee collection. She's like, I know. <laughs> it's just prior to Milwaukee. <laughs> okay. But you know how mixed relationships are. Her being dear, me being case I ate. Yeah. There was a wedge there. We had to get past. Yeah. It was a lot to work through. Yeah, it so. was. It was. But yeah, no, I, to give him props. He, he, I knew he was a great guy. I think the first, cause we lived like two or three hours away. So the first weekend he came up for us to go on a date, um, he brought his church clothes to go to church cause he had to stay at my place. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a townhouse with a walkout basement. There's a bedroom in the basement and everything. And he brought his church clothes. Nobody to go puts to baby in the basement now. Come on. Yeah, what I we- <laughs> I, I, Kelly does. Kelly yeah. puts baby in the basement. I was fine with the basement. It was fine. <laughs> Yeah. And so um, anyway, and I was like, I really, really appreciate you bringing your church clothes, but I have a lot of friends that I go to church with and I really can't introduce them to you yet. <laughs> you know, like uh-huh. not after the first date, but I, I, you got to admire I this guy's notes. commitment. I mean, I know you were he turning was... him down left and, and left right. And right. So like it was the first date or the second date. Her phone just keeps ringing off the hook, her cell phone. I'm like, it's not really my cell phone, but. Like, somebody needs something. Well, I had gone to bed. Yeah. He sh- was way sh- down sh- in the basement sh- watching sh- TV. Sh- she went to and bed. And I'd gone to bed. And so my phone is ringing over and over and over and over. And I'm in bed. And so he answers my phone. It's like one in the morning. He's yeah. down in the family room in the basement watching TV. And it's my sister, Kim, the third one, married to Scott. And she'd been at a party that had kind of gone south south in substances that she wouldn't and, want to be a part of. And needed a place to stay. And I'm like, yeah, come on over. Yeah. I'll unlock the door. <laughs> I'm down here in the basement by myself. Come on in. He's like, this is Nick. I'm Kelly's date. I'll go unlock the door yeah. for you. So I get up in the morning and go down to the basement. And Kim and Nick are just sitting watching TV together. <laughs> and I'm like, what? How did you get here? And yeah. Why are you here? How did this Who happen? Who let you in? <laughs> nice. The phone rings. I got to answer it, Tony. That's just who I exactly. am. Exactly. He's keeping this guy up. Well, it, yeah. It rang like a hundred times. Like, clearly somebody needed something. Right. Something's wrong at that point. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So he's in with the family right out the gate. Yeah. I was in with Kim. I was with anybody else. Just Kim. Okay. So did, <laughs> did you have to work the angle and tell Kim, like, hey, put in a good word for me? No. Or? That was... Well, no, I, I'm, no, I didn't have to. <laughs> but we stayed friends. So we were, we were like, it was probably three years, wasn't it? After we had broken dated the up, first time, dated the like, first time. Eh, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah, well, that would have been fall of 02-ish. I don't know, but it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But anyway, um, we stayed friends. And that was back in the, was it the instant messenger instant days? Messenger, yeah. So I would at work at that time I was up at corporate and, um, I would go get my lunch from the cafeteria and go back to my desk and he had just gotten done eating lunch. So we would spend the entire hour just IMing each other, but like a seven year old on the playground, kicking the girl that he likes, his entire conversation was making fun of John Deere's equipment. Ah, nice. And so I think at one point I got pissed and I'm like, and I don't need to take this anymore. Typing it furiously got off. And I think I don't, I didn't get on instant messenger for forever. After. Yeah, it was, it was a long time. <laughs> Claims she got a computer update and didn't have it anymore. Uh, well, that'd be typical John Deere. You know, you always yeah. got to have updates. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So after she logged off, were you like, man, I blew it. Uh, you, you, were you like, I'm like, yeah, she's kicked me out once. I mean, what's, yeah, yeah, at this point, what do I have to lose? I'll just know? go hang out with Kim again. We're good. Yeah. Fine. But it worked out. It worked out fine. You got your prize. Yep. <laughs> yep. You ran the marathon. <laughs> yeah. 
So fast forward to years later, she's at a conference. Had a a few cocktails. He's like Ross, nine years later. (laughs) (laughs) He had her. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's at a conference. She keeps power dialing me. And there again, the phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing. I got to answer. It'll make somebody need something. Uh It was her. So, yeah, I answered. And we moved forward from there. Yep. I remember the first time we ever met you. (laughs) That was was a rough one. Well, actually, I guess I should back up. So... I, I didn't meet you guys till you got married. You're, you were at the wedding. Yeah. Your yes. wedding, me and Carolyn had, had just, just started, started dating. But yeah. Your wedding was the first time I ever seen you in person yep. because I'd go into the shop and Ferd would be like, So have you met Nick's imaginary girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. He's like, I haven't either. Been hearing about this gal for months on end. Never seen her. <laughs> that was like way early in the deal. <laughs> yeah, it was early on. But so yeah, it all worked out. But yep, your wedding was the first time I ever Saw you, and she didn't get to go to the wedding. We just started dating, mm-hmm. and but yep, I could confirm it. Then I could tell everybody, yep, he truly did have a girlfriend. He's now married. Yeah. You're good to go. But yeah, the first time we ever met, that was things got a little sloppy. Is the I had to call in sick the next day to work. It was a weekday, and the next day I was like, I'm in a, I'm an adult. I am a grown adult, and I'm calling in sick. And I think I, I think I told Nick, I'm like, they're not friends. They friends would not do this to me. It was fun. It I, was. Made, I made it to work. It was fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I did too. I made it to work. I yeah. did not. I worked, did not. Keep in mind, she worked from home. <laughs> <laughs> this was pre-COVID working from home days. Yeah, yeah. back when it was new. Exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. couldn't pull it off with his equipment. <laughs> Okay, so. Um, so hold on, wait, time out. I want to interject here. So, <clears throat> I my grandma owned the local restaurant, and Nick and his dad and brother would come in and to eat all the time. And so I actually met Kelly weeks prior to their wedding or whatever. And I remember when she came in, it was like all the hubbub in the kitchen. They were like, "Does Nick have a girlfriend? Is that Nick's girlfriend?" And I was like, "I think she is." You people, She's I, you with people him. act like I never have a girlfriend. I had girlfriends. I just never brought but her. But you around. never brought her never into brought the restaurant. And no. they were like, "There's a girl with Nick in the restaurant. Something yeah, this is serious." Around. Kelly's the only girl I ever brought around. I really should have spent more time down here because I find out <laughs> afterwards that it's weird that he had a girlfriend. And, no, and, and I, I should I have never, investigated that I in never so brought, many ways. I never brought any of them around, necessarily. What were you hiding? <laughs> Nothing. My family. <laughs> so, we've... We went up to the wedding, but we do got a backtrack. Okay. You, you worked for Deer and Company from when to when? Okay, from graduating from college. Okay. So, dear, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is kind of a, maybe it's not a fun story. So, at the time, um, this was late 90s, Deer had sales branch offices all over the U.S. and Canada. And um, the Columbus branch out of Ohio and the Kansas City branch would come to the U of I and interview. And so one of my good friends had interned for Deer for a couple of years. And um, so I was signing up for interviews or whatever. And I sign up for an interview with the Columbus sales branch. And you turn in your resume and they decide whether or not they'll interview you. And it was the only company that I did not get an interview with. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'm really, really good at interviews. And, and, and so I was, I mean, like I was shocked. And so my friend Ben was like, 
well, Kansas City's coming, but if you didn't get an interview with Columbus, you're not going to get an interview with Kansas City because that's like the heart of the Midwest. You know, you're not. And I was like, what do you want to bet? <laughs> and so he's like, okay, we'll bet a case of beer. So I'm like, okay. So I redid my resume. I get an interview with them. The end of the interview, they gave me paperwork to fill out. They're like, just send it to us in a week. I skipped my next class, went home, had that typed out, brought it back in the hour and was like, here you go, you know get to go to Kansas City for the interviews um, before I left they offered me a job so I came back slammed that job offer letter down on Ben's desk and was like and now you can buy yeah, me a case exactly. of Corona Pay up, sucker. <laughs> so yeah so I accepted the job at Deer and got moved to there was a training center out in Wichita Kansas and so told my mom I'm like I just accepted a job with Deer and I'm moving to Wichita Kansas and my mom said oh Kelly what have you done well, exactly. <laughs> why did you move to Wichita oh, come on <laughs> I mean, like, that was the ends of the earth, you know? <laughs> and so um, moved to Wichita, um, but it was rarely there. I think I was, I lived there 10 months, but it was only in my apartment, like, eight weeks. You traveled nonstop. You went to, they call them system schools. You were either on territory traveling with another, like, a field rep, or you went to a factory and you were taking classes on their products. And so it was just nonstop traveling. And so then... After my training period, you either went to territory or you went to a factory marketing position, and I went to the Precision Farming Group then. It's amazing as a farmer. So, you know, the, the average Joe <coughs> in the countryside that uses these products, you know, you think of, okay, I got a dealership out here that employs 50 people, and obviously the people at the factory that build this stuff. Mm -hmm. But you don't really think about the layers upon layers upon layers yeah. of people that are tied into that stuff, mm -hmm. whether it's through like what you've done and just different divisions and how many people there are stacked up. Yeah. It's, it's really mind boggling. It I is. Mean, it's, it is. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. So for, for a little put on me off of the farm, you know, in Illinois, whose family, the one vacation we took growing up was to go to Wisconsin to do our cousin's dairy chores, you know, like to go to all these places and, and see all these things. I mean, it was amazing. It was, it was an experience it, so a lifetime with what you were doing. Were you training like people on below, like, not necessarily dealers, but is that how that works? Like you would go and learn about, and we're just going to use, for example, precision farming. You mm -hmm. would, you you would learn at the ground floor, and then did you have to go and like teach people below you so that could come on down the chain of command, or what exactly did you? I mean, don't take that the wrong way. I mean, no, what no, exactly no, I know did what you're you do? Saying. Okay, so <laughs> it, precision farming was um, kind of a an anomaly compared to all the other factories because it was so new. There were so few dealers and farmers that knew anything about it. And so we did a lot of classes that, that other factories maybe weren't doing. So you did product development. You did a lot of product development. At the time, Green Star Mapping and Monitor were out, but um, we were working on parallel tracking at the time. We were working on field documentation, lots of meetings with engineering and, and customers to get, you know, get feedback, I feedback guess. Feedback and, and product requirements, what was the most important features, et cetera. But um, one of my favorite experiences ever was because there was so little, you know, time or so little knowledge at the time of the products. We had this intern, his name was Ryan Huff. I think he's still with Deer. His nickname in the office was Huff Daddy. <laughs> he nice. was great. He was great. But they came and said, Kelly, um, would you and Ryan go and basically do like an eight week road show across Illinois and Iowa and teach classes? And so we had this purple minivan <laughs> that we had, we'd put all of these, 
um, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, it's, oh, it's the displays that they operate. Yeah, kind of, you know. And so we would rent a hotel conference room or we'd be at a dealership and we'd set these up. And the dealers would bring in 60 customers and we'd teach these classes. And um, that was just the best experience. I mean, as as new as it was and, and the problems you were facing and everything, there was never, ever a single customer in that eight weeks who was horrible to work with. They were just all wonderful, wonderful people. So with that being so new, when those customers come in, I mean, obviously the dealer had explained a little bit about what was going on, but did they have a hard time wrapping their brain around that this tractor is going to drive itself is the technology that's coming or did they kind of... They, did, did the customers kind of see that coming? They could but, see it coming because at the time, Deere was already working, I think, with it was like Stanford University with autonomous driving for like fruit orchards and stuff, okay. spraying fruit orchards. And we would, at the very end, we would talk about the pr- future of precision farming and, and just the research that was being done. And and that was one of the fun parts is just to talk about it. You know, it was real funny because I would always start the class. I would say, um, I would pick a farmer and I would say, okay. We're going we're gonna to build your dream operation. And we were basically setting it up in JD Map. And, you know, you always had the, I'd be like, how many acres do you want to farm? And these guys are like, 10,000 acres, you know, and I'll never forget. There was this little, you know, like 75-year-old man. And I'm like, tell me, which, how many acres do you want to farm? And he's like, 100 acres. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, 100. He's like, that's really all I want. I just want to have a little bit of fun, you know, and. And I remember, too, there was this older couple, and I would make them go around the room and introduce themselves and tell me about their farming operation and everything. And there was this, these two older guys sitting there, and, and um, I, they introduced themselves. And, and um, he's like, well, I'm 65, and I'm basically the hired man. I'm still waiting for him to retire. And the guy next to him was like 85, right, 87 right. was his dad, you know, and. So we get to the 87-year-old, and he's like, yeah, I'm his dad. And he's like, well, I told him we were going to – I knew we would see 200 bushel corn in my lifetime. This is, He goes, I can't retire now. This is just getting fun, you know? <laughs> oh, God. And so just some really, you know, just spectacular people. That That is kind of crazy to think about, you know, the our generation. And we don't even think about it now that, you know, no. we were the first ones to start this. To see the whole, you know, yeah. tractors driving themselves and whatnot. And I can't imagine having to teach that. Or, you know, we call them like the call centers nowadays. Like yeah. Sloan Implement has one if you got yeah. AMS problems. I mean, could you imagine running that the first year that that was open, the phone calls that you would have got over? <laughs> How do I turn this on? Exactly. Just over anything yeah. and everything. Yeah. And, and I'm glad they did because, I mean, that's, that's put us where we are today. But I can't imagine some of the conversations that them guys had to it's have. It's come a long way fast. Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking about it. And really, the the funny part was, like for us, we were never scared of it. And in fact, in our particular area, right where we farm, we were the very first ones to have it in our area. And we weren't scared of it. You know, we talked to a few people that had it, and this is what it's supposed to do, and took it to the field, and it did it. And there was really no hiccups, no issues. It worked great. I mean, and it's, you know, we've all talked. Once you start it and get on it, if I have to turn the steering wheel now, I'm done. How many, how many of our friends, because we were fairly early adopters on some of that, how many of our friends, did, why, by God, if I got a, yep, can't drive drive old it, drift. Nah, I'm yep. not even going out there, yep. and it'll never pay on a small farm in this and either. I can think of one guy in particular who's bought thousands and thousands of dollars worth of it now to yep. put in every little tractor he's got. Yeah. Because he has yeah. to. And you know, I'll, I'll admit, live without it now. When, it, when it was all first very, very new, I was of that 
mentality that, well, if you can't drive your own tractor, you don't yeah, need to be too. farming. Who the hell do you think you mm-hmm. are? I want to pull a lever, smack yeah. the throttle, I'm doing it all myself. And you after know? you get one of them on a fairly nice tractor, you're like, yep. Not turn the steering wheel anymore. I don't care if I'm bush hogging, cutting the ditch. Yeah. Anyway. Now I'm like, Kelly calls. I'm like, hey, I, I need you off the phone. She's like, why? I'm like, well, I was in the middle of a movie. Right. And, uh, exactly. Do you have anything important or do you just call to talk? Because I was, right. this thing's driving itself and I was watching some movies. Uh-huh. But, yep. So you were on the ground floor of what we know as Green Star yeah. AMS? Back in the days, today, yeah. So. I, when we, um, I remember when field documentation came out and we had an, at one of the intros this thing for all the dealers and field reps to go through and they were on gators and we had uh golf balls made with the green star emblem on them and we'd give them golf balls and we'd go have them go out and drop the golf ball anywhere on this course and mark it and then they had all the other things they had to go do for field documentation at the very end they had to go back and you know on the receiver say okay go back to that spot and it would take the, the gator back there you know and so when we were moving to our new house three years ago, we were going through so many boxes in the basement, and there's this box that's like three foot by two foot long, and I'm like, I have no idea what this is. It was on a storage, in the storage room, you know. Open it up, and there's like a thousand green star golf uh-huh. balls. Yep. I'm like, oh, I think we kept a couple boxes of I them, but the rest of them yeah. we yeah. took to Goodwill or something. So, so how long do you think that stuff had been in testing before it actually got released. I mean, are we talking like the late 80s? I have no idea. I, I, mean, I, I, I would, would not assume, be able to say. I honestly couldn't. And, and I couldn't either. Honestly, I don't think it was that long. I think really? that came across pretty quick. Did it? I didn't know if that was one of the that, deals. That's my gut instinct, but I think it, it developed pretty fast. And of course, dear, correct me if I'm wrong, they immediately paired up with NASA as far as satellites, which was a genius move, mm-hmm. in yeah. my opinion. I yeah. mean, they've done it longer than anybody. Yeah. And and I'll I'll still go to my grave, and I'm not I'm not brand loyal. I mean, I think most people know that I don't give two shits about John Deere, but I do feel like they have the best AMS software mm-hmm. ease ease of operation. No it, comment. It's <laughs> I I I think it's the best out. It's very user friendly. I have no issues with it. I you know I don't know I I don't know shit about the Case IH. It looks like a giant clusterfuck from what I've been around it. Maybe it's not. It's but, fine. Nothing wrong the deer is very, very user friendly. So, kudos to whoever come up with it. I think it's easy. A lot of that's what you go grew up with. Like my brother and I, you know, started at the same time on that. But he prefers one thing, and I preferred something else. And neither one of them is case I ate your deer, right? You know, if you're talking third party, right? Because I had more experience with the one. He had more experience with the other, just from our jobs and what was going on. Mm-hmm. I can run his. He can run mine. But it's kind of like Apple versus Android. Like, it's whatever you start on the path with yeah. that you're more, most comfortable with. Yep. And I've been out in, in several deer things, and there are some features of theirs I like. And, there, you know, I've been in a fent. Theirs is completely different from anything I've been to. Yeah. But it works really, really well from what I was around it. But I had a very limited experience with it. A lot yeah. of it's just what you grew up with and what you, yeah. what you learn early on. Because the first thing you learn, it's hard to kick that out right. and go to something different. And I guess know? I should clarify by saying, too, as far as the deer, I like it from the ease of I don't have to push 19 buttons to get to where I need to be. You know, I can I can go from my screen to set an AB line and back to my screen in like three pushes. Where some of these, it's like five, six pushes, you know, and you got to drive 160 feet. And I, and I get why they do some of that. But the deer, you drive 10 feet. I mean, it's just as fast as you can push the button. You're going. 
some of that, like I said, is just what you grew up with. They're like, I could hop in a Chevy truck and tell you that the heated seats aren't worth the shit because I can't turn them on. Yeah. You could hop in a Ford, tell me the same thing. Yeah. But it's what we're used to. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to. And at the end of the day, of I shouldn't really bitch because it's literally taking your finger and pushing it up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you had to get out with a turnbuckle <laughs> exactly. and crank the three point up. Yeah. Exactly. It's funny how we get spoiled yeah. of that shit. We're like, why well, aren't you using this fucking thing? You got to push nine buttons. <laughs> Because it's so hard. Yeah, you know? my finger's getting sore. <laughs> so, But anyway, you're at Precision Farming. Yep. Yeah. So did you have any hand in helping create some of this stuff as to what we know it today? Uh, yep, the Yellow Globe. It's <laughs> my favorite this story. Is one of Nick's favorite stories. That and the Australian Farm Show story. Yeah. They're your two favorites. Um, so I, I probably the most devious thing that I did that maybe contributed to a decision at Deer was... Um, you better, I, you better get you better <laughs> get this so everybody can see it. So, um, so I was there when the Starfire receiver was was being um, developed, and um, so we had this big conversation in the marketing group as to what color should the receiver be. The old one had been orange. Orange, so, wasn't it? It was orange, wasn't it, or yellow? No, we'll, it was we'll orange. Up, I what, which I mean, was that just yeah, like a testing it. thing, or like somebody? No, the could... original receiver before Starfire. I'm don't pretty at, sure it was this little me. orange dome. I maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but wow, it was it was many many years ago. But anyway, so I was the only girl in the group. Not that this makes any difference to the story, but the guys in the group who were more experienced than me and, and were, you know, very good at their job and everything. But they, they were really, really bent on that the receiver should be green. And I was what? like... What? Green? <laughs> that you, was, you say that now, but think back when you haven't seen a receiver. <laughs> That's true. They wanted it to be green. And, you know, it is a plastic. And all I could think of is, do you remember those poly snouts on the combines that yeah. faded? Yep. That's all I could think of in my mind. And I'm like, this is the wrong decision. No, this needs to be yellow. So they're... Uh, there was a guy in our advertising group by the name, I'll just use his first name as Russ. He knows who he is. Hello, Russ. <laughs> Great guy. Welcome aboard, Russ. <laughs> I loved Russ. He was Long time he was, listener, first time caller. <laughs> He was just a great person to work with. So I call, he was coming up for a meeting, and we were going to decide this. And so I called Russ, and he was down in Kansas City in the advertising group. And I'm like, Russ, the guys want this receiver to be green. And he's like, really? And I'm like, it needs to be yellow. And he's like, I'm, I agree. And I'm like, can you make some Photoshop mock-ups with the yellow one being beautiful and the green one being like those horrible faded poly snouts? And he's like, yes. <laughs> so we go into this meeting and Russ pulls out the prototypes. And, and so the guys were like, oh, yes, it has to be yellow. And I was like, yes. I agree with you guys. I do. You are right. And just for your information, my original ITCs that were yellow faded like a bat. Oh. But they faded in yellow. That's right. They didn't fade. It didn't look green. near as hideous. I'll give it that. So. so right here, folks, if you're watching live, that is if the reason. If your globe is yellow, send us a shout out. Yep. That is the yeah, reason right yeah. there. Yeah, that was the green was just not. I gotta right. admit that yeah. that was a good call. It yeah, really was. It was. That would look hideous. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I agree. I agree. So yeah, that was probably one of the more conniving things I did. But um, I stand by it and think it was the right thing to do to this day. <laughs> yep. Go ahead and be Hillary Clinton. That's fine. <laughs> Any decision you make is the greatest. <laughs> why do you hate me, Tony? Just why? Just why? <laughs> <laughs> so the tenure at deer how, how long did you work for deer 
12 or 13 years. Oh, really? Yeah. I so I went to territory after um, being at Precision Farming here in central Illinois and then um, went back up to corporate where I was the project manager for JDParts.com for several years. And then Nick and I were married at that point, and um, they were going through a reorg, and my department was getting moved down to Kansas City. And so we kind of talked about it and decided that it was just time for me to probably get off the wagon. It was a wonderful, wonderful ride. Saw the you, I world. mean, you traveled the world, yeah. Yeah, saw the world. I mean, I've been to... India, China, you know, uh, Australia. So I, I've never asked, so like, I'm just going to take a, a country mm-hmm. like India that's not well advanced like we are. What what were you doing? That, like, if you were, or was this, you were not in precision farming at that time? No, I was not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it just, that doesn't seem right. Because, I mean, nothing against them, but they're just not as advanced as we are. And I didn't know why you would be. No, I was not with them at the time. Um, I did, I went to Australia when I was with the Precision Farming Group and for farm shows. Once again, yeah. it goes back to the farm shows, you know, you, you there's farm shows just all yeah. over the of world. Of course, Australia, there's large scale farming yeah. in Australia, mm-hmm. very large. Yes. I mean, bigger yeah. than here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. So, talking about traveling the world. Yeah. What was your favorite place to go? Oh, that's a difficult one. So I would say, you know, I had, I used to have to give speeches to like the interns or whatever. And I used to tell them, um, for your first traveling experience internationally, go someplace like Australia, because it is so much like the U S it's very easy, you know, uh, very easy, but also go, go to someplace like India because it makes you appreciate the U S tremendously, tremendously. And just, yeah. So don't, only just go to the easy countries. Um, I loved Germany. I loved Germany. I got to go to Russia. I know that's kind of a taboo right taboo now. Taboo right now. I love Russian history. Um, Carolyn will tell you I am a ball. I know everybody is making fun of me for going to sleep early. Um, I tell you what, if your night, if a, a grand night of going to bed early after watching something, a movie on Amazon Prime about somebody stuck in like the Russian gulags under Stalin is your type of a Friday night. Hey, I am your gal. Come hang out with me. (laughs) I love Russian history. And so I did get to go to Russia and that was amazing. Um, But yeah, start off somewhere. Ease into it. (laughs) Go to a, go to a, go to Australia or something like that. And then go to some of the other countries. Have you ever left the country, Nick? I've been to Canada twice and I went to St. Lucia on our honeymoon. Ah. Oh, that's right. That one guy about drowned or so, oh, you was on horses, right? Riding them through the water. <laughs> that was my wife, actually. Yeah. Um, so on our honeymoon, <coughs> cruise along on what they call horses. Most people would call them dead. But we're cruising along, and Kelly's horse won't cross this log. So this shirtless gentleman says, just follow me. We'll go around. And we ride what seems like an eternity, and they have not shown back up. I'm like, well, that didn't take long. Lost my wife in seven days. <laughs> She's off in the woods now, with stranded with this uh, shirtless gentleman. This is this is going well, and pretty yeah, so they didn't I just would, like go right around the log. No, they like took they a whole went, different, they different went, path. Yeah, a whole different path. And I'm like, I was just in the process of turning this nag around. I'm like, I I got to go back. I this is gonna be hard to explain to a lot of people on how I lost my wife on my honeymoon. And about that time, they popped out of the woods, and it all was good. But well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not leaving again. I like the U.S. I'm staying here. You know, I got to think, my ancestors hated Europe so much, they got on a boat with no map, made out of shitty wood, and floated across an ocean to get here. Right. I'm not leaving again. So, <laughs> Canada was fine. 
<laughs> Although the ironic thing about Canada is we went through a tractor pull and ice is super expensive there. I'm like, don't you guys have a shitload of it? Like it's cold here. I'm like, why is ice so high? Ice has sold these little shitty metric bricks and it's super expensive. But that's my Canada story. <laughs> Ice is expensive there. So when we fly into St. Lucia for our honeymoon, it's dark. And so for the first four or five days, all we see is the resort. And everything's beautiful at the resort and perfect. It was, okay? it was nice. And so Nick's like, we can, we can go places. Let's go to Italy. Let's see the, the Coliseum. Let's, let's see all these things. So when we go to this horseback riding trip, it's the first time we leave the resort. And so Nick sees what life is like outside of the resort. And so he leans over to me in the van and says... I hope you've had fun because I'm never leaving the country again. I am never going anywhere where I have to go to an embassy for help. <laughs> this is true. It's and an eerie feeling. No, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Good. I'm good. I probably did go, to, or my second trip to Canada probably was after that. And I would go to Canada again. But. Canada's basically like North Dakota. It's just kind yeah. of flat. I went through the tractor pole yeah. and it was, it was fun. It was good. I'm not, I don't have to go back though. Yeah. But when I went to Australia, it was for a farm show, and they had the the show team for John Deere down there had emailed us all ahead of time and asked for our measurements. Well, that's fine because, you know, like every farm show had a uniform. So, okay, here's my measurements. And so I get down there to go pick up my clothes. Farm shows in Australia are a little bit different than the U.S. You know, the U.S., you're like khaki pants, polo shirt, you know, windbreaker or whatever, if it's cold, that type of thing. So I pick up my clothes and um, the shirt is a cream colored linen puff sleeved shirt, long sleeved with the deer emblem and a skirt with the deer emblem on the back. And I said, well, I, I can't wear this. <laughs> and bless their, the lady, I remember the admin assistant at the time that gave it to me, her name was Debbie and she was a lovely lady. And, and she said, but that's what all the girls are wearing. And I said, I, I don't know how to say this without coming across like not right but i'm like but, but you guys are working the literature booth i'm i'm with harvester works i have to get up and down the combine with the farmers i'm not wearing a skirt up and down the combine right. <laughs> it's a popular thing going on there yeah. not careful. they got a line a mile long to get in this combine What's the deal with this? <laughs> It's like a fringe of the nerds. Yeah, like, this pie is good. Like, we, we're, exactly. We have to be quiet. Gleaner's going to be catching on to this. Yeah. He's selling more combines than anybody. I didn't. I'm like, I don't have any spandex to wear under this. Like, was not prepared. And so I said, I just, I can't wear this. I'll just wear a pair of khaki pants. And, and she was like, well, you, you can't. You have to wear a uniform. And so I don't know where they got the pants from. But the next day I showed back up at the show. We were doing, you know, installations and set up and everything. And Debbie comes up and she's got a pair of green pants for me pleated in the front so still very feminine right. with the deer emblem once again embroidered on the back and i don't have the pants but i do still have the shirt it's still in my closet i can't get rid of that and, shirt and really any way you cut that story so let's just pretend that you're going to climb the ladder before everybody gets there and you're just going to stay in the cab that's still not going to work when you got a full sheet of glass <laughs> right in front of you sitting in the seat with a skirt on that's yeah. I, i'm like i i'm yeah. sorry i can't, can't i can't wear can't a pull skirt. it off with this equipment <laughs> no Nope. <laughs> with the blue glass maybe <laughs> well this is true yeah yeah but so but that was great then um uh the deer the sales rep down there was a gentleman by the name of don duncombe i think was his name great guy so um then I, a guy by the name of mitch hobby who was also with precision farming he and i um went and taught classes you know went to several dealers and um my very last day i was there two weeks 
And the whole time we're in the car, Mitch wouldn't let me drive because the steering wheel was on the opposite side and it made him completely nervous not to be in control, which was fine because I am like hanging out the window looking for kangaroos and koala. Okay. Like I'm going to see one in my two weeks. Okay. And so the very last day, this class of farmers, one farmer says, um, so what, 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 like, how, how has your trip to Australia been? Have you liked it or whatever? And by then I'm a little saucy about not seeing a koala or, or a kangaroo. And so I said, well, I think it's a little bit of a tourist trap. I've been looking for two weeks for kangaroo and koalas and I haven't seen a one, you know, and, and everything. And he said, well, you're never going to see a koala. He's like, they're so shy and bashful. If you live here your whole life, you might see one or two and that's it. But kangaroo, we're surprised you haven't seen. And so anyway, all the farmers leave and we're cleaning up at the dealership and all of a sudden the phone rings and one of the dealers says, hey, Kelly, it's for you. And it's that farmer. And he's like, Kelly, there's some ruse in the back pasture. Have Don bring you out. And so we went out to this guy's farm and got into what they call a ute, which is like a small utility truck. And it's got the bars on the front for if they hit uh, kangaroo. And we chased those kangaroos in the pasture for an hour until they were so darn tired I could reach out and pet them. Right. And, and Don and took video of it. And I don't know where that's at. He sent me a VHS copy of the video at some point, And I'm sure it's downstairs in the basement somewhere. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to go to Australia. I think it would be really, really cool to go over there. There's yeah. There's just so much was... cool stuff. But I'm not big on the big poisonous snakes that they've got. Yeah, yeah I want to say, I'm trying to think of what area of Australia that was. We flew into Melbourne, so I want to say Perth, maybe, the Perth area. We drove, I know, several, several hours. We didn't fly anywhere else when we were in Australia. We we drove there, and it was Don Duncombe's sales territory, So, and I think he was in Perth, the Perth area, so... Yeah, there's a luppy on the line right now. So like a Sunday, Sunday Zoom meeting. Yeah. <laughs> he was on. We were all on a Zoom meeting. One, it was Saturday night here, Sunday morning there, and he was just driving around in his Ute. Yeah, and we're like, hey, we want to see some kangaroos. He's like, no problem, you know. And he he takes off driving. It took him about 15 minutes, and finally he's like, oh fuck, there's a whole flock out. <laughs> yeah, and goes, yeah, out. he's driving over these. <laughs> yeah, it was a funny. We were laughing so hard. <laughs> running over kangaroos. <laughs> but he told me there's like, and I, I'm not going to get the numbers exactly right, but it's like 46 million kangaroos and 23 million people yeah. in Australia. Yeah. I mean, it's an ungodly amount. It's their, I mean, they're deer. They're, they're yeah. a menace. They hate them. Exactly. They yeah, hate yeah. But was, when we were chasing them, there was one that was a mom. And at one point, she stops and dumps the joey out of her, out of her, <laughs> out of her pouch. Yeah, out of her pouch. And I'm like, did she just, and they're like, yeah, they dump them to lighten their load so they can get away. And I'm like, great. Well, I'm like, excellent motherly <laughs> instincts there. They're like, well, she'll come back and get him, maybe, you know. But I'm like, wow. <laughs> a kangaroo is basically a giant rat that stands yeah. on its back feet. Is yeah. It is. yeah. They're kind of nasty. Yeah, but, no doubt. Yeah. So, yeah, you've been to Russia, Australia, India. China, Hong China. Kong. Oh, you've been to China? Yep. Hong Kong, mm-hmm. really? Yep. Everybody yep. I've talked to that's been to China talk about how dirty it is. I mean, like, literally, you know, just the air and just everything. Just we were on farms. And so, really? so yeah. So you weren't really in the... We were, yeah. We stayed in Hong Kong and then took the the, the bridges and everything. How big are some of the farms in China? I don't even remember. I mean... I mean but it was like BTOs, like we would have... I mean, Yes, yeah. 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 And it was really interesting. One of the guys I was with, um, they farm outside of the Bloomington area. And um, years later, years later, they had a contingency of Chinese farmers that came and visited the U.S. and toured some of our farms. And they show up at his farm and get to talking. And it was one of the guys that had been at that Chinese farm. Like he, okay. he recognized Ken and was like, 
hey, you. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, it was just I'll a small dead. world situation. I, I would like to travel the world, you know, depending on the country, just just to see how other people live. That, that's always been fascinating to me. Yeah. You know, that's why I always liked Anthony Bourdain's show. I didn't yeah. care about the cooking. I just like to see the culture yes. and the way other yeah. people live. Yes. Because it is mind-boggling how they do stuff that, you know, we wouldn't even dream of doing. Yeah. And that that's really, you know, especially when you go to countries like India or what yeah. I would call a third world country, it, it's hard to believe how they actually live. I yeah. Mean, we've even seen that in Mexico. I mean, it's yeah. it's saddening. I mean, but. It really makes you appreciate. It does. I mean, the infrastructure of the United States and, and you know, what we have here. And I like I said, I think everybody should do it. I think everybody yeah. should visit in Australia, but I also think everybody should visit another yeah. country whose right. living, you know, situation right. is very, very different from ours. Exactly. Yeah. So was what, what division of deer was your favorite to work in the precision farming or the, cause you said you were in JDF parts. I, so yeah, my last job at deer was project manager at JD parts. And, um, that was at corporate. I'm not going to lie lifestyle wise. So I was on territory in central Illinois between those two for three or four years. And I loved the lifestyle of, you know, having a couple territory partners and you were working with the dealers and the farmers and everything. I love that. But as far as like the actual job itself that I found most rewarding was managing JD parts. I loved that. Yeah. I loved the team. I loved, um, I still like when we were heading to Louisville, um, um, one of my favorite colleagues that I worked with was a gentleman by the name of Bill Bloom, who was in charge of parts expert at the time. We were kind of partners in managing these two websites. And, and I'm like, man, I know he's not going to be there, but man, if I saw Bill Bloom, I would just yeah. be so excited. And it's, it's just the people. I loved the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a farmer, I do appreciate John Deere's parts system. And I'm sure cases is no different. I just don't buy nothing from case, but you know how it's very timely as far as getting mm-hmm. parts yeah as a farmer i do appreciate that yeah. i mean it's the impressive part to me as just total third party just you know living with kelly at the time on the outside looking in was how prompt and go get it and get it done deer was but it didn't matter the problem like okay this problem arises kelly is notified of said problem bam there's a solution in place. There's people on it. It was bang, 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 clockwork. It was yeah. it was taken care of within hours, minutes, days, whatever it was, depending on the size of the problem. But, like, they operated at a super high efficiency compared to other things that I've, I've seen you be involved in. Yeah. Or yeah. or on the backside of things that I've been involved in. Like, right. they had a team of, of experts, yeah. and they knocked it out. Yeah. And I've said that a hundred times. I don't care what brand you run. If you can't get parts or it's a chore to get parts. And that, that honestly comes back to some of my rants on Gleaner that are legit. Granted, I've never owned a Gleaner, but I have several friends that do. And they act like literally driving a hundred miles in the middle of harvest to get it's a belt no big deal. is no big deal. And, and it, that is asinine to, to yeah, you and I. And, and I'm not joking. I mean, I'll talk to them guys two or three times in the fall. They're like, yeah, ran to St. Louis to get a belt, ran yeah. here, ran here. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And they act like it was no big deal. Like, and that's where as a farmer. Batavia's programmed in their phone. Yeah, exactly. And I went to the, you know, it's like, really? Huh? Yep. That's where as a farmer, I appreciate deer and the way that it's all connected and you can get parts in a very timely fashion. Mm-hmm. I think, I think one of the interesting things that, you know, you take working from deer, that's really hard to understand when you're in the middle of it until you go somewhere else. And this is going to sound 
stupid or or whatever but it's just the culture like the culture is so interesting and it's so structured and so um I don't want to say rules oriented. I don't know how militant. To, <laughs> not <laughs> militant, it, but it, it is. But for refined. the better, refined. It's, is probably it's the, very the refined word. and very structured and process oriented. You know, like my very first day at Precision Farming, I go through orientation, and my boss at the time says, um, "Okay, here's the three rules. Every single day when you leave, your desk is clean. Every single day, you update your voicemail and tell us where you are. If you're in the office or if you're out of the office, and if you're out of the office, how we get a hold of you." And number three, you're five minutes early to meetings. The managers do not wait on you. You wait on the managers. And I have just carried that over, like, <laughs> for the rest of my career. You're just like, still to this day, you know, for a Monday morning team meeting, I'm like, okay, I get on there five minutes early. I can't be, you know, somebody higher up than me cannot be waiting on me. I'm to be waiting on them, you know, and it's yeah. just this ingrained system. And, um, doesn't like, necessarily transfer into the <laughs> I've waited a few times. Right. Yeah. Clearly, I'm not a manager at this point. Farm show teardown is, it is militant. I mean, a Husker harvest teardown, I mean, that last day, you have a meeting every single morning, and you have an assignment at four, let's say the show ends at four o'clock, at 4.01, Kelly, you're getting into this tractor, these two guys are hooking up this to that tractor, and you are heading to the docks. It is to be loaded on this truck, blah, 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 blah. To the point of, like, the order that the tractors and the implements are leaving the lot. It is so it, it's planned. It's military structure, not militant. Like, I'm not using yeah, it negatively. It's planned. But, it, but it's, it's planned. It's, it's planned out, yeah. yeah. It's not just and helter-skelter. The, that last job that I had, J.D. Parts, and it's one that I fought really hard because I didn't know it and I didn't appreciate it at the time. But when I was in that job, that's where I really ended up working a lot with the branding division. And the decisions like things that I would want to do on the website that you aren't allowed to do because it's against the brand rules and just what you know goes into protecting a brand that has been built that strong you know like to me what's the big deal if my links are you know blue hyperlinked instead of whatever and they're like it is a big deal Every single website is hyperlinked the same way. You will follow the rules, you know? Yeah. And so leaving, I ha you know, like everything, you learn that branding isn't a logo, but an, an emotion that is evoked that your customers feel from working with you and, and um, how every single thing you do builds on that emotion instead of detracting from it. And it was just really fascinating. I mean, really, really, I mean, yeah, I learned a lot. It makes you wonder in a company like Deer, because, you know, it's a very large company, is to... Who keeps that ship as tight as they do like that? You know, you would think that could almost get out of hand to where it does get helter-skelter, but it sounds like it's a very tight-run ship. It is. It is. And very efficient. And, yes. And like I say, I can't knock Kate. I mean, you know, I, I've been a red guy my whole life, but I, I just don't have to do business with him anymore. But I can't complain about the – you always you could always have problems at a local dealer, but as far as getting a part from two yeah. states away to my doorstep – is a pretty taskless process and you can have it in pretty timely De deer to their credit on the branding side like it's pretty easy to be a deer guy like right. yeah all, exactly. all the all the eggs are in your basket all the balls are in your court like right they do a super super great job of of the brand management thing and you don't think you know you and i don't think about the hyperlinks of them no but that's subliminal it's like okay it lights up this color whatever it goes to here there like it's pretty easy it's streamlined and i'm a pretty brand loyal person it doesn't matter the subject matter necessarily like once you get started down a path 
that's kind of the path I like to stay on for the most part, whether that your dad ingrains that into your, you know, your brother, your friend, whoever, and it's hard to switch off of those. The deer one, once you get started on that path, they've done a great job of that being the brand. Yeah. You know, when you think of, when, when the average city person thinks of a tractor, they think of a green tractor with yellow wheels that says John yep. Deere on it. And, and you can look at any of these lobby groups that I bitch about, whether it's Farm Bureau, Corn Producers, Soybean Association, all that. When they give out their stupid coloring books to the yep. kids, it's never a Case IH combine. No. It's never a gleaner. It's no. always a John. It don't have John it Deere written to, on it. Nothing but. pissed me off more as tractor pulling as a kid to get a trophy that had a freaking 4430 on the top of it. And it's like, ain't no 4430 went in this bowl, bud. Yeah. Just chuck that somebody. Exactly. That, 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 ain't, that ain't what right. it is. But they did a good job, and that, that was the image of the tractor right. was Right. Was, I mean, was it deer. truly is a company that sells itself. I mean, it, it truly yeah. does. You can go anywhere, and people will recognize the emblem, the merchandise. Deer, Nike, and I, you know, I'm not a Nike guy anymore, but, you know, you got your main staples of American companies at one point in time, Budweiser, whatever. You know, on down the line, brand management's a big deal, and Deer is right. masters and, and you can see why they've protected that brand yeah. the way they well, have just, and just, haven't let it get. Just yeah, think mean, about Ashton Kircher wearing that John Deere hat in the punk show. Yeah. Would that make them? Four right. billion dollars. Right. You could buy that hat in every mall in America two weeks after that. Right. And I mean, you honestly see why they don't reach out to people like me that are well, on TikTok. Yeah. And, and rightfully so. I, I'm not knocking them as a company. I understand mm-hmm. why they run it that way. They've been very successful. And who am I, a nobody, to say, well, you need to be sponsoring me? You know, that's not right. I mean, I understand why they do that the way yeah. they do. And they've been very effective and very good at it. Yeah. And I, I got to commend them for that. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could put an IH emblem on a coat and walk into New York City, and nobody's going to know what that is. Not not have a clue. You yeah. could put the deer emblem on a coat, and you would get at least somebody That's if you just pulled a random person and say, what is and they would know. If you got to find a person that has a yard big enough to need a lawnmower, they yep. probably got a John Deere lawnmower. Yep, exactly. Not because it was the best lawnmower, right. because it was the most notable lawnmower they could find. Right. But it might have been the best. <laughs> Probably not. They probably copied it off somebody else. But anyway, exactly. back to life and times, Kelly. There you were in your puffy skirt and your <laughs> with a deer emblem on your behind. If if deer called you back today and said, "Hey, we want to offer you a job. You don't have to travel. You're not living out of a suitcase. You're going to stay here, pretty local in the Midwest." Would you go back to work for him? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> she bleeds green. I assume you run, you grew up running John Deere equipment. Oh, we did, yeah. Uh, and now that's yeah. not necessarily true. They grew up growing red, running red. When the eighties hit and farming was shit, they had to switch to green. Oh uh, no! Tell the story. Okay, so we their, did. Their, their dealer closed. Gotcha. We did have an IH or two on our farm growing up, but your dad, your dad grew up primarily red. Yeah, but when he switched to John Deere, we kept just one one or two IH tractors, and those were the ones that we let Grandpa Rankin drive because he always ruined them and got stuck. <laughs> well, He's Sam, like, we're not going to let right. Grandpa Rankin tear up the new stuff. We're going to let him tear up that old piece of crap. <laughs> Long story short, the acoustics in a Soundguard cab lend to Kelly's voice. <laughs> This and true. you can sing out as loud as you want in those. The acoustics That's are That's true. I'm t- telling you, Reba and I sing and fancy in a Soundguard body cab. Oh, my gosh. I could hit every note. Whitney Houston and I will always love you. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, One time I was... Um, 
I don't even know what I was doing in the field discing or something, but we had those old FM radios, you know, and, and so I had my cassettes set up off to the side and I was just a singing fancy as loud as I could be. And the FM radio, I guess, kind of fell over and hit the tip of a cassette. And so I get down to the end and my dad's standing at the end of the field with his hands on his hips. And I can tell, I'm like, well, it's a little early for lunch. I wonder what's happened. So I pop out and he's like, I'm like, what? It's a little early for lunch. You take it. Are we selling for lunch? And he's like, Kelly, the entire neighborhood has heard you singing fancy at the top of your lungs. Because they were all on the same channel, which is weird for me having FM radios. The closest person that I knew to us was... 30 miles south of us right. with the same signal. Right. So, like, if we were both at Effingham, we could talk. Right. But they didn't hear us otherwise. No. Yeah. What's the point of an FM if everybody else is on? In their neck of the woods, it was like a CB ev- radio. <laughs> no, it, well, it wasn't everybody, but there was, like, was five lot. or six families on really? the same channel. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I did. I did a lot of singing in the track. So, anyway, you're, you're, you're at JDParts.com. <laughs> yeah. And I drag you down. So, right after we got married. Yeah. She gets offered a position in Germany. Yeah. And I'm like, go. And she's like, what are you going to do? I'm like. Right here. What I'm doing <laughs> was, it, was this like a oh, Friends yeah. episode? Did you get off the plane? Did you get- <laughs> and I'm like, go ahead and go. It's fine. Send the checks and uh, I'll be fine. And she's like, yeah, I don't know about that. That doesn't seem like a great plan. But anyway. Literally. Continue. So my very first boss when I moved to Wichita, Kansas was the guy, a guy by the name of Todd Zayner, great guy. And he always told the story whenever we would see each other at meetings for the next 10 or 15 years, he's like, very first day, Kelly has not been a John Deere employee for an hour. And I'm giving the speech of this is what we're doing. Well, at the very end, I say any questions and Kelly shoots her hand up and says, how do I get an international position? (laughs) And I was buying for it. Like any, like any opportunity I could. And so we get married in December and in January, my boss calls and says, hey, they have a position open in Germany and you've been requested for it. And I'm like, I just got married 30 days ago, you yeah. know. And Nick, bless his heart, I mean, he's like, I know you want to do this. And so if you want to go, It'd we'll figure fun. it out. It'd he's like, fun. we'll visit each other, you know, whatever. And I just, I'm like, no, not the right decision for a new marriage. Not the right decision. So. Look at that. She, before she couldn't get rid of you fast enough. <laughs> now she, now you're stuck. Now yep. she can't leave. 30 days with me, she's like, I got to stay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this guy's awesome. I got to stick around. <laughs> yep. Can't beat that, I tell you. <laughs> so, why does a company like Deere, so we've got our American 9870 John Deere Combine, but the one that they send to Brazil is the same design, but it looks totally different. Why do they do that? I have no clue. You're at, I, I, I couldn't, no, I, I want couldn't answers, answer, damn it. I'm sorry. I am not working that You were what, the vice president was, and you can't tell me? <laughs> yeah, no, I was like the vice president of the peons, you know, like <laughs> not even, <laughs> I couldn't answer that. I think it's all that. based on what, how that country's set up and their needs and wants. I mean, you can still buy a 2388 in China, right? you know, but it. It's not the 2380. Yeah, because I know some of them countries, you can still buy a new, pretty small. Some, some of those countries have a huge supply of labor. They have to mechanize a little just because, but they don't They don't want an X9. Right. They exactly. Want, they want, they want everybody to work. They want everybody to work. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're, we're at the end of JDParts.com, and yeah. we're, we're moving forward from there. For, to what? To what part? What do you well, want? Well, your life I, continues from yeah, there. I, I mean, I realize, you know, it's dear, but your life continues from J.D. Parts. Did you ever go to work for any competitors or anything like that? No, I did not go to work for any competitors. What? 
I didn't. Nothing. Continue your story. I didn't. So I went to go, I, I, re, I worked for a recruiting firm for a couple of years after leaving Deer when my group got moved to Kansas City. And then um, I went to go work for GSI. I took the marketing manager position at GSI. So I started, I was back into manufacturing and selling grain bins instead of tractors. And so... Is that what you're saying? Because I was there when Agco bought GSI yeah. out. So, yes, I did end up working for Agco. But you, did, you didn't work, like, on machinery. No, like no. Cleaner cop No. Well, they're, no. they're both galvanized, though. <laughs> well, yeah. So, tell me, you're, you're an Agco, but were they using the same GSI grain bin sheets to make the cleaner cop <laughs> is that, is that It's the reject grain bin sheets. Exactly. They just them in the combines. Uh-huh. No, so, yeah, that was... Um, I didn't work for them. I worked for just GSI for two years and Agco for just. It wasn't very long. Yeah. A couple of months. So, okay, not long so at all. Now this or maybe is a, a year. This is a, a question I expect an answer to. You couldn't answer my last one. I Sorry. want an answer on this one. I, d- I couldn't answer it because I honestly don't know the answer. We're 40 miles from GSI and there's no GSI bins around here. <laughs> They're all Brock and Sukup. <laughs> Why is that? I've asked this question a thousand times, Tony. I'm not saying they're bad bins. They're great bins. I would love to own one. But there's just none around here. Are you looking to open a GSI dealership, Tony? I could. I have, <laughs> I have contacts. I could put you in contact with them. No, I think I'm good in the grain bin department. Don't no, I mean to, you want to open up a dealership. No, no, not, no, 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 no. Don't believe so. <laughs> I think with any manufacturer in the ag industry, it always comes down to the dealer. Probably. And so... Um, that would just Which, yeah, I mean, I don't even know where a GSI dealer is. And well, there you go. So we have GSI dealers here. There's a lot of there's a lot of small reasons they don't push them. Grain bin dealers are not necessarily like um, deer dealers, deer dealers, Which, or equipment dealers. Where you are an Agco dealer, you right. are a. Is there, so grain dealers will. More than green bin dealers will have contracts with multiple companies, right. but they predominantly work with just one exactly. company. That's how one company. Right. The reasons I was given when we were looking to purchase the bin basically come down to if they ordered the bin at that time, and and I'm not I hate to speak out of turn here, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, and it might not be this case now, but at that time, this was pre COVID, back when you could actually get something. If GSA had that bin in stock and they ordered it that day, they had to take delivery of it. Well, they had no place to store it. They couldn't put it up that day because the concrete hadn't been poured, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas some of the other manufacturers had warehousing or whatever, and they could they would deliver right. it the day that Feather it needed to be put up yeah. as it needed to be delivered. Right. And that was the main push in our area right. at that time. Because we were so close to GSI, if they ordered it that day and it was available, they're yeah. dropping it off tomorrow. Right. They had no place to store it. Which that was the reason I was given, and, and that's what always threw me because it's like, okay, I'm a grain bin dealer, and I, and I can deal in Sukup, Brock, and GSI. These aren't Ford pickups. There's not many options to a fucking round metal tank. Yeah. <laughs> but essentially, you were a Ford dealer, a Chevy dealer, and a Dodge dealer, all in one, which right. almost never happens right. around here in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I just always wondered that. Don't see many. I think you see a lot of big commercial yeah. GSI bins, really big ones. But as far as on farm, and if you get fifty miles from here, sure, it's all GSI. Yep, for the most part. Maybe but. we should start a GSI warehouse for the guys that are in between. Yeah, the in between. I'll guys. build a shed. You can drop, drop it off here. I don't know. I used to be married to the marketing manager there, and I couldn't even get one for a swimming pool. So ain't that something? I, it's I, unbelievable. My brother asked at every family dinner, "Hey Kelly, I'd like to have a bin for a grain for a swimming pool." 
response was the same time every time. Me too. Me too. <laughs> you, know, you know how these salesmen are. They never yeah, call you back. Never, yeah. Never yep. get never yep. get back with. So anyway, yep. you're at GSI. They switched to Agco. Yeah. Moving forth from there. Yeah. So do, do you think Agco will run it in the ground? <laughs> like they do with most short ride companies that they buy. Tony. Uh... Well, I'm just being serious. <laughs> Um, no, no, I, don't. I think they've done pretty well with it. I think they've done, I think I mean, I, they should. I mean, that's I a think, good song. I think they've done well with it. But yeah. look at all the stuff that they bought over the years and just ran it in the ground. Well, it was decent stuff. I mean, can you really run a gleaner in the ground though, Tony? I mean, like, well, they started there. True. But, you know, some of the old Glencoe stuff was, you know, it was decent stuff in its yeah. time. I'm not saying maybe it didn't get outdated or passed as time went on, but it, they're so one thing I'll give Adco credit for one is they always make money. For the most part, and two, their outlook on on farming and the last, and I, once again, in no way an expert, and this is complete bullshit because that's what I deal in, has changed dramatically in the last 10, 15 years, and their approach to things is different now, and they're going to be, they are successful, and they're going to continue to be successful. The GSI purchase was a good purchase for them, and they've done well with it, and it's still turning a profit, and the direction that they are taking things in the ag market is is going well for them. Like you're, you got to realize you're fighting deer, which has ultimate brand management. And then you've got case filling in some gaps there. And then you've got Agco. I won't say off to the side because they're not, I'm not putting them third tier. I'm just saying they're, it's a different approach. And now they've kind of switched everything to Fent. They're bringing everything Fent around the corner because I think they kind of realized the Massey name, kind of like Dodge said, hey, you know what? We're not going to call these Dodges anymore. We're calling them Rams. Agco's kind of doing the same thing. Like Massey worldwide is doing really well, but Fent is our premier name, and we're going to transition everything to that and come around the corner. We're going to blindside you with some really next-level shit. Right. And, they're, and they're doing good with it. And I still say the Gleaner guys don't want to admit it, but Gleaner's going away. Eventually, it's going away. And it should, it's going, but, it should have went away 30 years but, ago. But, but the brand management thing is such a tough thing to overcome. Yeah. It, it's it's hard to it's hard to get past that. I mean, that. look look when Cases and IH merged. I mean, there was guys through a shit fit over that. Shit fit. And, 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 you know, they picked, okay, in your town, there was a Case dealer and there was an IH dealer. So now you have to choose which one are we taking. Right. Deer never fought that. Right. They had a deer dealer. They're solid, stable, still John Deere. You know, still selling shit. But they, it's always been the same guy. And for the most part, Case pretty much dumped everything they had in agriculture and just kept the IH stuff. Well, they <clears> you know what I mean? They didn't, at that point in time, they only had tractors and they were that, B rate. They had to pay them rent to get rid of them. That's what I mean. But, Nobody wanted them, so they just took yeah. the IH and ran with it. But, uh, you know, the, and when I hate to get sidetracked here. I won't. We'll skip over. Well, that's, that's time for another podcast. But in any event, the brand management thing is a big deal. And Agco is doing the best they can to swing around the corner on that. And make that work, in my opinion, because it, that's a that's a long term, long term shift on things. Yeah, people don't jump brands. And dealer network is a huge, huge, huge deal. You know, and Agco has bought so many different companies, where they had multiple dealerships in multiple towns. It's hard to negotiate through all that, and you're still number one because of their dealer network. What did you what, tell me that guys were bitching they couldn't get a like filters for their Lexion combine. <laughs> they can get filters for the Lexions at their Agco dealership. They don't grasp the fact that that's not Agco. Right. Their Challenger combine, they could have bought a yellow Massey, 
They could buy that shit at their Agco dealership, but Lexion is a different deal. And, and hats off to Klaus for finally saying, to hell with it, we'll paint them green to, yeah. to keep the confusion out of it. So now you go to a Klaus dealer to get your Klaus parts, which just makes common sense. You can't buy Toyota parts at your Chevrolet dealer. Yeah. But. But your dad hack. <laughs> in that case, you can get them both. <laughs> you can. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to sidetrack. I know what you we'll get off. We'll get off on the other tangent and on another podcast. We won't bore you, ladies. But anyway, continue on. Yeah, yeah. Where are we going? Yeah, I just, don't know. Where just, are we going? Just lead us down the path. What, what, what's you're, one of the best you're, stories? You're, you're at Adco. You're you're moving forth from there. What are your, what are your funny stories from deer or whatever, etc. I uh, I thought of one earlier and I can't think of what it is now. It's one you should tell. It was a funny story, but I can't think what it was now. What was it? I don't know. You think about it. I'll just I'll just wrap up the GSI thing by saying I was only there for two years. Um, Nick and I had Colby at that point. She was a couple years old, and we had decided to start trying for a second. I was I never quit trying for those listening. <laughs> Quitter. <laughs> and um, so when I got the job at GSI, I didn't want to you know get pregnant really quickly after you know like you want to sure. wait a little bit and. Um, so I said, okay, we're going to quit trying until I've had a little bit of time at GSI, a little bit of tenure, et cetera. I'm not a quitter. I started on April 4th and found out I was pregnant on April 11th. Wow. That was a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I was already pregnant before I accepted the job, you know, that type of thing. But so I was like, crap. So I hid my pregnancy for five months, which is hard to do on your second pregnancy. <laughs> Man, I wore all these like baggy dresses with jean jackets and blazers. Skirts with a deer emblem on the yes. ass. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you got to do, Tony. That was not going to fit, let me tell you. And um, so, yeah, so then, so anyway, a year in, we had Max, and Max was super sick his first year. And um, so at the two year point, um, so I left GSI and stayed home with the kids at that point because we needed to. Carolyn was the babysitter, the best babysitter ever, but. He could not, uh, his immune system just couldn't be around other kids. He was just sick constantly, constantly with RSV, constantly, two weeks out of every month. So, yeah, so stayed home with the kids for a few years. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. Went back to work when he went to kindergarten, but not in the agriculture field. So... Are you done with ag? You're like, no, I'm not done with ag. I I love ag and and everything. Can't find the fields, but <laughs> <laughs> you park in your own spot. You better bring her very specific direction. Drop so, pins. Drop pins to your friend. So the here. so you're telling me that the person who could take golf balls and throw and make yeah. the gator drive can't to find him. Shit I when can't it comes yeah. Okay, I so I want take those <laughs> take that box of golf balls and put one in every field. <laughs> It's not a bad plan, Tony. Okay. It's not a bad plan. So, I grew up, you had like, however many 250 acre fields, you know, like we had irrigation. So they were big enough for, you know, pivots to go around, et cetera. So I marry Nick and, and he's like, well, we're at such and such field. And there's like 917 acre fields. And I'm like trying to find the them all the time. There, I'm gone. Right. You know? They are literally like I'm driving down a road and the road quits being a road. And I'll call him and he's like, keep going. Just keep going. I'm like, there's no road here anymore. And he's like, just make a road. Just keep going. You'll be fine. <laughs> Drive another half mile and you'll see me, you know. And so, um, yeah. Yep. You got a farm down here in the sticks. We just uh, <laughs> We're blessed with good land like them dang northerners. Yeah. 
We have soil. They have sand. I'll That's say, true. I'll take, we do. Uh, God provides our moisture. They have to pump it out of the ground. So I'll, 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 I'm good with unlimited it. Unlimited supply. Yeah, hey, uh, you think for now. Wait till they shut you off. Yeah. Yeah, wait till they shut you off. Every time you get in your car up there, there's sand in your floor mats, and you're like, I did not go to the beach. Why is there sand in my floor mats? Yeah. The big joke in our area is it could rain three inches in the morning, and we're still going to turn the sprinklers on in the afternoon. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I'm nope. out. I'm out. Nope. You got no choice. Not much in the corners there. Yeah. So, so what's it like planting green beans? Oh, like, that's... Like, how do you do that? I mean, would you like a normal planter, or what do you use? What do you... I, uh, I can't even remember what would... I'm... Whoa. Hit the microphone there. Sorry. <laughs> got a little got a little crazy there. You know, I can't even remember... What, it was long... Like, we're talking 30 years ago here, so I can't even remember how they planted them, but I will tell you this was the super fascinating part, is that I was there for harvest, and that was really fascinating because um, they would come in and they'd say, you're scheduled to um, harvest the beans tonight. The, the pickers are coming in. And your whole, they're like, put two inches of water on and have a tractor here. And you, so these pickers would descend on your field in the middle of the night. They'd pick them at night because they were being trucked to Wisconsin and they wanted them on, trucked overnight. So the sun wasn't beating down on the green beans on the, in the truck. And... It was like aliens had invaded your field. I mean, there was just lights everywhere. And, and it was the reason why you had to have a tractor there is because the semis would be in the field and you'd just put two inches of water on to keep things fresh and everything would get stuck. So your whole role was to pull semis and, and pickers out when they wow. got stuck. So you'd have these foot deep, two foot deep ruts and you double crop green beans. And so, um, um, They'd say, okay, let it dry out and have it ready to plant again in 72 hours. And so we'd chisel it twice. We'd disc it. We'd feel, I mean, like it was just 24 seven for three, for three days or 24 hours a day for three days, Hmm. getting it ready for the next planting. Unbelievable. And and that's not very far from here. And it's like two hours. That's like a whole nother world. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even know it exists. There's only two counties in the state of Illinois that are sandy like that, to my knowledge. It's Mason County and somewhere around Beaverville. Really, I can't think of the county, but yeah. I don't know if that's how they did it today, but when I was in high school, that's how they did it. It was really, really interesting. Oh, I'm sure not much of that's changed, more than likely. I mean, that's probably, I'll be dang. So whatever the old glacier dumped there, somehow you got all the sand out of Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. What I learned from it is don't don't eat the cream corn. Yeah, don't eat creamed corn. Really? Why not? That's, that's, the, that's not the premium product. It's not, the, it's not good enough to be canned corn. Really? <laughs> Interesting. I used to love cream corn. No. There's a lot of popcorn up there, too. Yes. No. Yeah, lots of popcorn. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Yeah, I remember one summer, um, I played basketball in high school, and um, <laughs> we had a row of peas next to our house, and um, there was, you know, volunteer corn. So my dad hired my best friend Aaron and I to go out and get rid of the volunteer corn. And that summer, the boys basketball coach had asked two or three of us if we would do summer camp with the boys, which we thought, we're a big deal. We're a big deal. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was the hardest I'd ever worked in my life. Holy shit. (laughs) Oh my gosh. My legs hurt so bad. And so Aaron and Aaron was one of the other players. And so Aaron would come out and we'd walk around and we would lay down in between the rows of peas and just sit there and eat peas laying on our back. And then we were like, okay, <laughs> we got to we gotta get up and do more. We got to get this done. And so we'd get up and we'd walk another hour or so getting rid of volunteer corn. And then we'd lay between the rows of peas and just <laughs> sit there and eat peas. 
off the the plants. Our legs hurt so bad. Uh, yeah. The tangled web that we weave. Yeah. I tell you what. It was my, it was a great prize. childhood though. Great childhood. Yeah, that's funny because I never realized they grew stuff like that. Yeah. that close to home. I yeah, mean, you know, we, we we never heard of that when we I, were kids. I've never seen an irrigation. I didn't hear pivot. about it till I, till I met Kelly. Yeah, I've never seen an irrigation pivot up close around uh, here. I mean, hop in the truck. There's they got a bajillion of them yeah. up there. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But it's so weird. As soon as you cross the river, it's it's black dirt, and there's not an irrigation pivot in sight. Is Mason County on the river? Up, is it up close? Yes, it yes. Is? Havana would be the... Oh, okay, gotcha. Havana would be, yeah, okay. right on the river. That's one area I don't ever go to for whatever As soon as reason. you cross over to, like, Lewiston area, yeah. et cetera, it's black, and it's good, and there's no pivots. No kidding. Right on the other side of the river. I'll be darned. The interesting thing is there's a lot of pipelines that come through there. So, crossing the river is a big deal. So, it's interesting to hear, I've got a buddy that lives up in that neck of the woods. Kelly's brother-in-law has some ground that has pipelines went through it. In the sandy area, it's not a huge big deal. A couple of dozers, they blow the sand out like it's no big deal because there is, I mean, it's sand. You go on the other side of the river, forget how far back he told me they start diving that thing to bore underneath the river. It's a long ways back. Oh, I bet it is. It's a long ways back. To, to get bored underneath it and come back up. Wow. Just inter- just stuff we don't really think yeah. about because we don't have that here. Right. You know? Yeah, well, I we don't... Get, we get on their side of the river and it's just sand and they just shove it back with a dozer and yep. put the pipeline in. I know around here just your regular, whatever they are, four-inch water lines for rural yeah. water, like the Kaskaskia River, which is nothing. It's yeah. 100 foot wide at the widest point anywhere yeah. on it. They, on that, they try to go four feet under the riverbed. As they go underneath it, I think up there they go twenty. I was gonna say I would think. I think it takes them either eighty or one hundred and sixty acres on the backside to start diving. I would believe that. Yeah, to get it that deep and back up. Wow. Does EDM still have that facility there in Havana? Havana, yeah. The green. Because if you're going to cross the bridge at Havana, which is super narrow, Mm -hmm. it's an old steel bridge, kind of like over here. You you pull an EDM and you. And the police will escort you across it if you have a field call evader or whatever it is that's big and wide. Okay. No yeah, ADM has a facility right there on the river. Yeah. Last time I was through there. I'll be dang. Yeah, I just never get over around the river. You know, I'm always on either I-70 or you're north on 80. Sometime we ought to do just, a thing on Norris Farms, which would be right across the river there. Which I've is, heard of that. Yeah. Which was a phenomenal deal at one time. I mean, is that still going? No. Oh, really? It's not. Because we'll do a whole episode on it at one point. One time, time, that was several thousand acres. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. I did my uh, high school FFA prepared speech on um, Norse Farms. Yeah. Really? I've always heard people talk about it, but I never, I was never there. Norse Farms is a super cool deal. We need to do a, we need to do at least part of an episode on that. And I'm not an expert on that. Don't get my dad started on it because every time we go to Lewiston Stratterpole, he went to college in Spoon River which is right by Norris Farms. So he drove by it, you know, every weekend. And every time we go to Lewiston's tractor pull, he gets super wound up about it because it used to be all these hog confinements. Well, they weren't really confinements then, but in cattle operations, all the hired men lived right there. There was houses galore. So the Morton Salt family, to my knowledge, I need to get a buddy of mine on this podcast for this because he, he lives in that area and he knows the backstory to it. But it's roughly like 12,000 acres in one spot. Um, when my dad was in college, they had a 4020 and a 1206, 1206 in the lead, hooked together to pull a four bottom plow. That's how flat 
deep black the soil is to, no get, to get to the other end. You couldn't pull it with one tractor. You had to have two to pull a four-bottom plow. Wow. Um, it's, like I said, I think about 12,000 acres essentially in one spot. 136 divides it a little bit, but... Like I said, the hired men live right there. The Morton Salt family put it all together originally, and it sold over the years. Now it's all flooded with water, and you can watch ducks swim on it if you really want to. No yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track here. Back to Kelly, the life and times of Kelly. No. <laughs> I think I'm about out of interest. Oh, you got an interesting story right there. You just, just pulled out <laughs> on me here. So, Kelly, your home area is not too far from Havana. Yeah. There's a big ADM terminal there. Yeah. Um, large grain elevator setups, whatnot. We'll get back to the Norris Farm things on another podcast. We'll touch on that, and we'll we'll try to do a whole deal on that. I'll do some research yeah, on that. I would actually like to guess. learn more about that. It, I don't, it was super awesome back in its day. I used to work with a guy that worked there when he was in college. Yeah, but. it was super awesome back in its day. But anyway, Kelly has an interesting story about green elevators in her home area. Really? <laughs> Let's hear it. Okay. So, so yeah. So, Pekin, also on the river not far like 20 minutes north of where I grew up and um when I was younger my uncle was the manager of the grain elevator there and my uncle was great we loved him I mean he was a good time he was he was fabulous um also one of my dad's best friends and and my uncle loved running equipment so he was at our farm a lot in the spring and fall you know running equipment for my dad when I was younger this is when I was fourth or fifth grade maybe i don't know anyway early days of the sound guard kids <laughs> gotcha before my singing career began yeah. <laughs> and um anyway so come to find out um a couple of the board members on the pecan uh grain elevator board there figured out how to rig the scales so that the farmers were getting their share but that the board members could skim some off the top Wow. So they bring my uncle in on it, and he becomes a part of it. And so I don't know how many years that went on, but um, a grain accountant starts seeing the differences or whatever, and so turns it into the Illinois Grain Board, and an investigation begins. <coughs> the, they come to my uncle. Um, the, I thought it would have been the FBI at that point. I don't know. Yeah. At some point, the FBI is brought into the whole situation. And so um, my uncle makes the agreement that um, he'll wear a wiretap in talking to the green board um, when they're talking about this aspect of their business. <laughs> and um, so then the FBI taps our phones because my uncle is there all the time and they would call my uncle at our house. And so it's all going down. Like, did you know they tapped your phones or they? I don't know that. I was young enough. Maybe my dad knew. I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that. Uh, I guess I should ask my dad that question. So anyway, they, um, our phones are tapped. My uncle wears a wiretap talking to them and everything. The guy who is in charge of the whole thing realizes that it's, it's, it's going down. So he fakes his suicide on the, um, the Illinois River. There was like a Hardee's or something right there in Pekin near the river. He leaves his car with like his wallet and everything in it and makes it out like he's jumped into the river and killed himself. Well, he had a farm in Brazil. So the FBI thought that he had escaped to Brazil. And I think they tried to find him there for a while. Anyway, they find him actually in um, 
Louisiana and he commits suicide before, like literally like when they're at the door. So like really commit suicide. Like yeah. really commit suicide this that time. That's for real. Yeah. Before that all happens, though, before they find him, they actually do a segment about this, trying to find this guy on America's Most Wanted. So America's Most Wanted comes to Manitou, <laughs> films scenes like in the parking lot of the Catholic Church and everything. It, yes. Yes. Wow. <laughs> like, it's big a, deal. Got it yeah. Like, <laughs> I see why your sisters went to Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> They're escaping. No, no, no. It's no, like no. Yellowstone on a really small scale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, like we were young enough that we just knew the, the bare minimum of what was going on. My Uncle Kevin ended up serving time for his part of it over in, I think, Terre Haute, Indiana and everything and um, and whatnot. But um, years later, <laughs> I'm in my freshman ag econ class at the U of I. And the professor, Professor Wesley Seitz, was talking, he, he had to do a lot of teaching about how the grain industry works because the, the College of Ag at the time had a lot of kids coming in from Chicago. It, the College of Ag required a lower ACT, so they would come in through the College of Ag and then transfer over to business later. So he had to do a lot of education about the agri-industry's infrastructure and all of that stuff. So he's explaining how the grain industry works and just the whole process and system and everything. And he says in class, he's like, several years, none of you have probably heard about this, but several years ago, some guys in central Illinois here figured out how to rig the, the weight scales and tell the whole stories. Like it was called Operation Grain Lord and nobody's probably ever heard of it. And I was like, and I have. <laughs> I wow. I did my, not raise my phones my were tapped. <laughs> I know. Do we talk about this? <laughs> yeah. um, can we switch on to the next subject? Yeah. Wow. But yeah, it was. It was. Um, I was young enough that, like, yeah, I just got the the very top layer of it. I probably, yeah, it's something I've just never really sat down and asked my dad a ton of questions on. But maybe I should. I don't know. It's just. It was one of those things. Like years later, I don't. It doesn't really come up in conversation when you're right. dating. You know. To me, and it's so, kind of creepy for you as a child. Like the FBI was in your house and tapped your phones, and you didn't even know it. Yeah. Or did they tap it with know. your dad's permission? That's kind of weird. I don't know. I have. I have no idea. I just know that they were tapped. Rotary phone days. That's when you. Yeah. They had to have come to the house. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. That's but crazy. I remember the phone calls. I can remember answering the phone and the guy is saying, hey, is your Uncle Kevin there? I'm like, yeah, he's out in the shed. I'll go get him, you know, and running out to the shed and being like, Kevin. We need to FOIA these tapes. I want to hear your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Which, how, how do you go about presenting that to somebody? Because... You don't know if they're going to go for it or not. So it's like, how do I present to this guy that you want to get involved in some fraud with me? You know what I mean? I know. That's got to be a very awkward conversation because what if he don't go along with it? Now we've just exposed the whole thing. Right. Yeah. So. I think it was very much so like, well, never mind. I was thinking more from the FBI's point of view, like, hey, we know this is going to happen. You can be either before us, for us or right. against us type thing. I wasn't right. thinking about actually from the grain board members' right. point of view. Yeah. So I guess there has to be some level of confidence that this guy's going to go along with it because well and you know what i mean probably had something on him and you know right. him some options you can either right. go this route or go this route and right one road is not a good path right yeah. yeah that's that's weird and it always makes you wonder as a farmer you know are you getting a fair shake i yeah. mean you have no idea when you roll across the no. scale which and i know the 
vast majority of them are on the up and up, but you know, there's no way you they can get prove tested, it. They get tested pretty regularly. Right. Yeah. A buddy of right. mine, that's a, his actual job is he tests those scales, right. and moisture meters, et cetera. Right. You know. But obviously it can be done. I mean, however, but I've never checked his driver's license, see if his weight's correct. Exactly. If he's lying on that. He's lying on the yeah. scales. I'll have to ask him. Exactly. Scott, you know who you are. I'm yeah. calling your ass out. <laughs> No, that's pretty wild. I've never heard of that story. I know, right? I, mean, like, I, I don't even know how many years we've been married that I was telling Nick this, and he's like, these are things that really... Yeah, I really didn't do enough research. <laughs> right. When you got John Walsh showing up in your hometown, yeah. Yeah. we got a problem. Exactly. <laughs> but there's a whole laundry list of things I didn't ask in advance, and, and to Kelly's credit, she didn't ask me either. <laughs> we uh, we yeah, got engaged fairly, fairly quickly, and uh, yeah, here we are. Yep. <laughs> And, you know, I never asked anybody around here, like, in the 80s. You know, there was obviously some grain elevators that went under. And I I never really asked. I never heard nothing about it on the street as far as if farmers, you know, lost a bunch of money on that deal or not. Or, you know, maybe it all worked out. You know, because a lot of them guys are bonded and insured, which I assume they was back then. But I never really heard. You know, on that note, I was just having this discussion the other day. You know, as input started to rise and, you know, I tried to buy everything early. So I was harassing my salesman a little bit about that. I'm like, so do you have all this stuff that I'm paying for? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're going to get it. Okay. Well, I'm like, well, what about if you guys go under? Because I got a good buddy of mine, and he doesn't prepay anything. Because he's like, what if they go under? Right. I, that's always been a fair of mine, especially starting out as a farmer. Because, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but it don't take very many acres at all to go and have to write a $200,000 prepay check. No, it doesn't. So... He's like, well, you know, back when such and such went under, you know, there's guys down to the last minute trying to get money out of there somehow, some way. They'd prepaid for something. And I'm like, you're not really helping your cause here, but like, I'm getting nervous. Yeah. And they're, they're financially stable. I'm not worried about it. It'll be right. fine. But by that same token, it was a very similar company to theirs, you know, 10 years prior, 15 years, whatever it was, that it went down. I'm like, hmm, damn. You're you're just gambling. It's, yeah. You might as well go to Vegas and put it all on red or black. It's like yeah, I mean Lehman Brothers didn't tell everybody nine months in advance. Hey, we're going to be broke here in a few months. No, you no, know, they didn't. You think everything's staying along just fine, and next thing you know, the doors are locked. You know, I'm gambling on the fact that fertilizer's going up, and anhydrous going up, the seeds going up. So I'm going to pay it. But what if what if they go down in the meantime? You know, yeah. I hope that doesn't happen. But I. You know, it could. But that's any business. Any it's business, any you're business. buying raw materials for whatever yeah. you're producing, right. you know, and, and you're doing it ahead of time to get a better price. That's any business. Yeah, absolutely. But it's normally not this volatile and this big a change. I mean, they could make one decision on, say, okay, they're going to, you know, Tony and I want to buy fertilizer, and they're selling it to us at $1,000 a ton or whatever, whatever. It's arbitrary number. But so then they end up, on the wrong side of that, and next thing you know, yeah, they're they upside down. Big they're price. upside down. Fertilizer goes the other way, which happened a few years ago. There was a lot of guys that that bought when it was high, and it's like, and then fertilizer went down. They got caught on the wrong side of that, and that put some companies out of business. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. When you got such violent swings, it's one yeah. thing. Okay, you know, I prepay anhydrous it in a normal year. It doesn't really matter. Right. You're doing hundred dollars a ton. Or tax whatever. purposes, it doesn't change much. You're just doing it because for for tax reasons, you know. Once you get kind of on that cycle, you really don't have a choice. Right, you can't you're really stuck. shift because you, you've you've carried grain to here. You're selling it there. You've got to buy your fertilizer whenever you got to buy it to, to make the numbers match. But if they go under, there you sit. 
bad deal. And not saying that there's some type of bond or whatever that you couldn't get your money back, but I don't know about you. I'm not really willing to wait five years to wade through the court process. But to by, do then, that. by then, I'm already under. Exactly. Yeah. So it didn't do me any good. But I mean, yeah, yeah there's a hundred different ways to cut that, but it, it does make you nervous, especially in times like this. Yeah. I mean, when you got anhydrous that literally doubled from the fall price to the spring yeah. price. In, in a matter of moments. And really. it had doubled from the summer price to the fall price, doubled yeah. again the, to the next spring. And now our potash mines are all in Ukraine where yeah. things ain't looking so rosy and sweet at the moment. Exactly. Look, I mean, look at this labor shortage now. I mean, you're, you're hard-pressed to go to Walmart to buy a toothbrush. Yeah. Who's saying that my Pioneer Seed is going to be set in my shed March 1? You know, I, I don't talked know. To, a, to a colleague of mine the other day, and he is a couple miles from, is it Disney World that's in California? Or yes. Disneyland? Disney World. Disneyland. World Disneyland. is in Florida. Disneyland. Okay. And he's like, he's a couple miles from there. There's a McDonald's just down the street from where he's at. He's like, it's literally the business, busiest McDonald's you can imagine. They can't find help. They close at midnight now. He's like, they haven't closed in my entire lifetime. But now they close at midnight because they can't find anybody to work. The rest is going on. I'm like, that really puts it in perspective. Like, literally, there is thousands and thousands of people right there all wanting to go to mcdonald's and they can't but that's the world we live in today you know and you can't get mad about it it's not like you know it's not like back three four five years ago you're like well you may be mad i'm gonna go to company b company b is in the same situation so right. it's all a giant trickle down of shit yep i agree <laughs> yeah. i agree well, what do you think? Do you guys want to wrap this one up? Yeah, we better wrap it do, up. Do you got one more left in you? We, we need to get on some politics, some some world topics. A uh, quick one. You, are you up for a quick one? Just a quick one. Right, yeah. we, can, we can do a quick one. All right. I'm good. I'm okay. good with it. So we're going to have to cut this one off here. We don't know when you're going to hear the next one that's coming up, but we're going to have to end this one right here. It's been great learning about I learned a lot about your wife that I never knew. <laughs> I didn't know your dad lived in Minnesota. Yeah. That's, you, didn't I, know, you didn't know she was investigated by the FBI? No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. She's a tyrant. Do-do-do. Do-do-do. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But, yeah, so we're going to wrap this one up. We got I got some good ideas for another quick podcast. Yeah. We might just do a quick one because these yeah. last couple have went way yeah, long. they're long. So we'll make a couple quick ones and go from there. So, anyway, thanks for tuning in. Go give Kelly a follow. It's Kelly MC 1976. I think Ke- so. Kelly MC 76. Oh, Kelly 76. MC 76. Yeah. On TikTok. We've go give her a follow. can't remember now. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I'll have to actually make some to put them on there. I, I always forget how much older <laughs> she is than us. It's yeah, just no crazy. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah, she is old. Yeah. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, for sure. It's past her bedtime, folks. We're going to have to call yeah. her night. Yeah. She's pretty tired. She Ex- thinks she'll go home now. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Well, anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time.